0: When we look at the first reading today, we enter into his historical time. It is 520 to be exact, 519 before Christ. And so we have Zechariah who has eight visions. There are visions and then there are also oracles. Not only does he see things, but also he hears God's word addressed to him And what we have here before us is a situation where the exiles were brought back 17 years before that. King Cyrus released them. As you know, they were in Babylonian captivity. And as both Jeremiah and the other prophets said that because you have created idols, you have lost the protection of grace of the covenant. And so you were exiled. And, and, the, and the prophet Zachariah says, 70 years ago, he lost that freedom. But God has brought you back. He's brought you back to your own country. He brought you back to your own homes. Of course, they were demolished, they were destroyed, or overgrown. And so the, the exiles, has no, they were known as the remnant, who returned back. They received everything from King Cyrus or... He gave him everything, subsequently Darius who followed him in that function continued to support the people of God. They gave him money to rebuild the, the temple, their homes. They gave him resources also from the, the golden vessels which were stolen, taken to Babylon. Everything was returned. But then, as you know from yesterday's reading, you know, people were not exactly happy because they were building this temple, and then looked this beautiful as the one which some still remembered, the Temple of Solomon. And so they were kind of not exactly happy. As a matter of fact, not only were they not happy, they were, they were not sure the Lord's glory will come back. The Lord will come back to this temple the way it was before. You know, they saw that in you know, beauty and, uh, you know, especially ex- extraordinary beauty that God was dwelling there. So they were kind of afraid. And so today, we have this Word of God coming to Prophet Zechariah. And what does he say to them, first of all? Um, He sees the first vision, where he says, the Lord says, I am there, I will be there with you, as you're rebuilding this temple, as you're trying to construct it. But then the second vision, which comes today, and he says, there is a man Isaiah raised my eyes and looked. There was a man with a measuring line in hand and asked, "Where are you going?" He asked to measure Jerusalem to see how great it is. It's its width and how great is the length. Okay, so what we have here is this vision. And you know, the the this this man, sort of human beings, walking with a measure stick, meaning they wanted to see how big this city will be rebuilt. And they wanted to construct it. And so they're trying to see what it shall be like. But then the Lord intervenes. He says to them something else. You know, the angel appears to tell that young man who wants to measure it. He says, people will live in Jerusalem as though in open country. Because of the multitude of men and beasts in the midst. But the Lord says, no, there's no measure to a city. There's no measure. The measure will be without open, open. Uh, there will be no, no gates. There will be no, no. Uh, there will be no walls. It will be an open country, which means the grace of God will spread beyond the Jerusalem. There will be no more limitations placed, which means that God wants to bring forth His grace to all the world, all the nations. He wants to give everyone this grace of being with them. And then he promises the following, he says, and he said, but I will be for her an encircling wall of fire, says the Lord, and I will be the glory in her midst, which means God will define himself. God will define the limits of his grace, the limits of his love. So that it's not up to human beings to set the, set the boundaries that is going to be in this temple and is in this, in this walled-in city of Jerusalem. No, it'll be open. Everything will be open. Which means that the love of God, the mercy of God, will spread around the world. And then, and the Lord says, and I will be in their midst. And so, therefore, sing and rejoice, daughter Zion. See, I am coming to dwell among you," says the Lord. And the nations shall join themselves to the Lord on that day, and they shall be his people, and he will dwell among among them, among the people. So what it is, is this promise, which the promise was fulfilled by Jesus. When he came, he entered, he opened the gates of paradise. There's no more walls. There's no more walls between people who are people of the covenant. Everyone who chooses the Lord the Lord allows them to experience that grace, the love, mercy, no limits, no walls placed around us. So this is that promise that the Lord gave through Zechariah, but it became a reality in Jesus, Our Lord, our Savior. So what we have here is first of all, that historical, uh, historical dimension, and then the promise is opened by God Himself, what it shall be. And so we know we are the people, who have been welcomed by God, by the blood, the sacrifice, sufferings of Jesus. He has atoned for our sins, so we have that freedom to enter into the temple of God, in a temple whereby God resides, God dwells, and he's inviting us to participate, partake of that of glory. But as we can see today, even in, during when Jesus came to his people. And first of all, yesterday we heard of that prediction of, of you know, the Son of Man is to be handed over to suffer. This is yesterday and today. But the Gospel saying, look, what happens is that during the, um, on Sundays, we read the whole Gospel. Uh, which is usually that's the third year you know, of the cycle, as you know. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So every Sunday, like this year, we're reading, you know, the Gospel of Saint Luke. But during the weekdays, we actually read portions of the three Gospels, and and again, uh, as well as Saint John, which is usually read during the um, during the time around Christmas and Easter, especially. But so yesterday we read this first prediction of Christ's suffering and, and this prediction that the Lord gave us. Uh, but then not only did he predict his suffering and death um, before his transfiguration, and then we have this portion in the gospel saying, look, he's transfigured. So here it is, the, the disciples here, this prediction, the son of man is to be handed over to man and he has to be crucified, to die, and on the third day he will rise. But the disciples, as we know, are afraid to ask. They don't understand what that means. But he says he speaks of himself as a son of man, this messianic figure, you know, the one who is to be sitting at the end and for all, for all eternity at the right hand of God, according to da- Daniel's predictions. So he, he speaks of himself, Jesus, as a son of man, and, and that he'll be handed over. What we have here before us is not only the prediction that Jesus gives, but he wants us his disciple he wants his disciples to know that just as Peter said, You're the Messiah. But what does the Messiah mean? So that the, 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 the disciples themselves would not understand that someone who is who's a king, militarily their powerful political leader who's able to do all these things, but he speaks of himself as belonging to a different kingdom the kingdom of God, the kingdom that goes beyond what we see here, the kingdom that is beyond our ability to grasp physically, manifested in a political or social or or concrete ways. So, so he speaks of himself as that son of man. But if he is the Messiah and he's the one who is to suffer and he's the one who has transfigured himself and he has saw his glory, and he's the one who is able to heal. You know that the the the, the boy the, who was with epileptic boy, you know, just before this gospel, he's able to manifest the divine power at work with him. And he is also the one who's to suffer and die. That is a mystery for us, because you know when we accept Christianity, when we accept Jesus we not only accept him as the one who has overcome sin and he's the triumphant, that he is the one who's risen one. But you know, in every Catholic Orthodox Church, we see Jesus also on the cross. He's also on the cross. Because Christ not only has suffered, but he suffers. He suffers today. He suffers with us because we continue to sin. We continue to reject him. We continue to crucify him by our life by our actions he continues to suffer with us yes he is our forgiveness and mercy and yet he shares the sufferings with us and that, that's why the whole invitation for us that we share in his suffering today saint paul speaks of that sharing in the sufferings of christ because it is something a blessing it is something which is extraordinarily important to offer our sufferings, unite them with Christ for the the rest of us, for the people who need conversion, because somehow the Lord allows us to participate in in the unfolding of the gift of redemption. So he's offering that to us. So the Lord not only has suffered, but he continues to suffer and he'll suffer until the day when there's no more, when the world will be over. And when you bring forth the kingdom, all of us, you will present us to God the Father. And then, and then, what a rejoicing there will be, because we'll share in the banquet of life, joy everlasting. So that's, that is the, but the meaning, as we can see, the disciples were afraid to ask. Sometimes we were afraid to ask too. And why, you know, if I accept Jesus, we'll have to suffer more. If I accept him completely, if I follow him, do I have to carry a heavier cross? Sometimes we kind of, we may be afraid to ask, but there's one thing is, it's possible to be afraid, but the other thing is that if he loves us, he'll be there with us. And if he wants us and he wishes to us to carry a heavier cross for others so that our family members may be saved, that our family or our friends, all the people that we know, all the people deserved, We need a redemption. Are we willing to do so? And this is where I know I have quoted Saint Faustina often, but this is Jesus' words to her. And you would say, "Daughter, help me to save souls. Offer your sufferings, unite your sufferings to me, because of the redemptive nature." And 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 it's and many saints, as you know, many saints, whether Margaret Mary Alacoque. With his St. Francis, you know, by the way, Father Chris will speak of St. Francis today at 11 o'clock. With all of them, Padre Pio, look, we we just celebrated two days ago, the feast of Padre Pio, his sufferings, and he understood the nature of it, which means that we, we cannot be afraid because we can see that when the Lord allows us to carry the cross, he always will give us the joy of carrying the cross. You give us the consolation, and knowledge. Even though it's we will suffer, but our hearts, at the deepest level, will be will be um, will understand the nature of suffering. And and today, uh, since we honor Our Lady, yesterday um, in the old calendar was the feast of Our Lady of Mercy. Although we, as a community, celebrate. On November 16th, you know, Our Lady of Mercy, patroness of our own province, but in the in the older tradition calendar, there was a, the feast of Our Lady of Ransom, Lady uh, ransoming the slaves, ransoms, who buys back, who tries to always um, take us, take us, take us out of the conditions where we have to struggle sometimes, trapped in our own. Brokenness, sinfulness, and she's one who ransoms us. And then eventually, the title was changed to uh, because on account of the uh, community called Mercedarians. And so the honor is a Lady of, of Mercy, according to the older calendar. But we celebrate on the 16th of November. Uh, and and but she whether we celebrate then or yesterday or any day, she is a Mother of Mercy. She's the one who also suffers with us. She wants to rescue us. And you know, as you remember that beautiful prayer of St. Bernard of Clairvaux, remember our most gracious Virgin Mary. It never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, was ever, or asked for any type of assistance, was never ever left unaided. And then inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin, a virgin, a mother, to thee we come to Thee we seek uh, assistance from You, because we we wish and desire that which, which all of us wish to be close to the Lord, to be say to be saved by His grace, that we may experience His forgiveness, mercy, so that 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 we may be able to do so and under Her guidance, and and we will always receive the grace. It is it is the it is the tradition not only coming from Saint Bernard of Clairvaux who wrote this 900 years ago. Would you believe? For 900 years ago, we would pray this prayer, but we have recourse to her. You know, Our Lady, uh, under the various titles, we always ask her to to pray for us. May we then today, as we celebrate this wonderful, extraordinary gift of God, because the Eucharist, celebration of the sacrifice of the Holy Mass, is that we partake in the offerings of of Christ. He offered Himself. To the God the Father, this is what the Eucharist is—the holy sacrifice, sacrifice Christ offering Himself for us. That's the one dimension of the Eucharist. Sometimes we forget, because you know there's many other portions to this Eucharist. Because there's also the Lord nourishing us, feeding us with His body and blood. But also the Lord is instructing and guiding us. But above all, this this celebration of the Eucharist, priest does it. In, in a categories called persona Christi, in the person of Christ. What's visible is a priest, but what's invisible is Christ himself, because we enter in the timelessness of Christ's offering, which is always valid, always suffers for us, always dies for us, shares that suffering with us until the end of time. And, and, uh, and then, and then he, he gives us the, the gift of participation in his victory which is the Eucharist, the body and blood of Christ. So as we continue with sacred liturgy, let us ask the Lord to one help us to understand that from you know, two thousand five hundred years ago, as he was explaining through Prophet Zechariah that he wants to give all humanity his gifts. He doesn't want to limit his grace to anyone. He wants to give it and that he will dwell among us and he does the special way through the Eucharist. Yes, for the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he speaks to us that he has to carry for us the cross and he's inviting us. He the chosen one. He the Son of God is the Holy Spirit. And God the Father spoke during transfiguration. He is my he's my beloved Son, the Chosen One. Listen to Him. May we follow Him. Listen to Him. Receive the superabundance of grace and through the intercession of Our Lady may we attain the promise of Christ which is redemption into eternal happiness.
1: Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit